When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Michigan State is a top 10 team for the first time since September 18, 2016, after Mel Tucker and the Spartans went into the birthplace of college football and emerged with a 31-13 victory over Rutgers. The win pushed the Spartans' record to a perfect 6-0. The game was anything but perfect. Uh, In fact, it was downright ugly at times, but more explosive plays and more bend-don't-break defense gets the job done. We will discuss the win and look ahead to another road game at Indiana on episode 51 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. Uh, apologies, listeners, for not getting this out yesterday, but uh, between Mondays with Mel, home projects, and other work obligations, uh, we couldn't quite get to it. Uh, but we're here this morning. Uh, Matt, what's going on? Good morning. How was your trip to Jersey? Uneventful. <laughs> it was fine. I hate uh, I hate Newark Airport for the most part, and uh, that was the reminder for the first time in a couple of years how much I dislike that place. The airport, that is. As far <laughs> as Rutgers, I actually actually like. I have no problem with the games at Rutgers. I know Rutgers gets a lot of crap, but press box setup is fine. It's as close to the field as as it is as there is in the Big Ten, so no complaints there. What do you mean? They put you behind a like a pillar or something, according to Twitter. Uh, I was mostly being a smart ass about that. And that <laughs> was, hey, you? you? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was that was the view, but I had no problem moving over a seat from actually it was shortly after I tweeted that one of their SIDs came down to make sure I had a, a just to make sure I had a good view. So um yeah, they, they did a good job. No problems here. <laughs> Right. At least I had an assigned seat, unlike one of my colleagues whose name wasn't even on the list, despite having. Ooh, <laughs> ouch! Uh, Kyle, what's up? Sorry about Syracuse. Saw they suffered a tough L in overtime. Uh, I mean, yeah, they did better than anybody thought uh, they were going to do there. So um, we take it. No, I, I had a lovely weekend apple picking and uh, uh, pumpkin picking and, and all sorts of stuff. So get getting in while I can before basketball takes over. That's right. Got to love those uh, fall activities with the family. That's for sure. My wife would probably like to do more of those, but I'm obsessed with college football. So kind of gets in the way there. But uh, we appreciate everyone for listening here today. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, it would be very much appreciated. There's a fly in my face right now. Uh, If you could check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans, hit us up on Twitter, email us with your questions. we got a couple of those today we're going to work in. Uh, Yeah, and we appreciate your support and we appreciate you listening here today. 
But we're on a hard out today. Uh, Matt and Kyle have to go interview some players, so um, we're going to get right into it here. Uh, the Rutgers win. Michigan State emerges victorious right on my predicted score. Okay, not right on. 31-13 was, my, was the final. Uh, 31-14, I believe, was my prediction. But uh, a win for Michigan State nonetheless. They moved to 6-0. Uh, more explosive plays in this one, Matt. Uh, sloppy at times, but uh, another good win regardless. Yeah, it was a really weird first half. I mean, just it, trying to digest, uh, you know, you're sitting there at halftime thinking like, right, what the hell just happened here? There was a lot. And, you know, the opening drive, the fake field goal that fails, um, you know, they had the fumble, that <laughs> bad snap, and Luke Campbell picks it up. I don't know where he where he was going with that third and nine <laughs> or whatever it was for the big guy. He wasn't going to get that first down. And then the clock management at the end of the half and, you know, putting the second back on, then Shiano taking the time bounce and the missed field goal. It was just a really weird first half. And Michigan State should have been up by more going into the break. And then, you know, you start the second half and – uh, it looked like the, the offense against, uh, you know, the second half against Nebraska, you know, first two drives, three and out, losing yards both, and then Kenneth Walker, you know, just kind of puts it away. But, yeah, I mean, I just the the explosive plays just continue to stand out. I mean, just, you know, obviously Jalen Naylor, 63, 63, 65. Michigan State is only the fifth team in FBS history to have a 300-yard passer, a 200-yard rusher, and a 200-yard receiver. Um, obviously, that's difficult to do. I, again, hard you know having covered this team and for anybody who's watched this program in recent years to it's just still hard to believe this is what's happening offensively for them when they have you know they have four really really standout weapons you know between Thorne, Walker, Naylor, Reed um they're really you know getting the job done in that department yeah, I mean, and Trey Mosley's been playing well, too. Yeah, I, mean, I know he hasn't Mosley's had the explosive great. plays, but he's really uh, um, improved this year and has sort of given them that third option. You can work in Connor Hayward, got some depth in the backfield. So, yeah, I mean, the weapons on offense are fantastic to see. But I guess let's start with the negative first, because the first half was a lot of missed opportunities, I thought. I mean, Michigan State should have been winning that. You just said it. They should have been winning the game by more than they were. Um, and it was still a game at halftime, but. Uh, you know, and Michigan State Twitter was freaking out at halftime. I mean, they had the lead and, you know, they were doing some good things. But, you know, the clock management at the end of the half, uh, the the turnovers, the uh, – yeah, yeah I, I even forgot about the fake field goal, which uh, I believe they was confirmed that that was a, an actual designed fake, right? It wasn't like a box well, yeah, but, <laughs> well, so – if you read what Mel said was, you know, we had we thought we had the look that we wanted. Um, they just defended it well. He said we didn't get a guy out in the route. That would tell you that it was not designed for Bryce Berenger to run. If they're trying to get a guy out in the route, that means it was supposed to be a pass. But when asked about it, uh, follow up was so, you know, that was supposed to be a pass. Then Mel was like, well, well I'm not going to get into the uh, specifics of that play. But it sure seems like that was supposed to be a pass based on what he said. And, you know, there's one guy out there. So, but, you know, a fairly long field goal on a, on a windy day. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I don't get the punting. What was it? Fourth and three from the, from the 35. And then, you know, they take the delay a game and move back. And what were they doing on the punt? It's a, it's a it surrender, was, surrender punt. That's what that is. Yeah. I don't, I mean, you gain, you end up, it ends up being 15 yards of field position. It's, I, I don't understand that. So some questionable stuff, obviously. Um, and then defensively, it just, you know, some missed tackles, you know, there was a, 
to the first possession, they have Rutgers with third and 18, and they let them scramble and get rid of the ball, and they get 19, and just, you know, just some sloppiness. Uh, but no no Cal Halliday for the first half. Remember that. And you get them back after halftime, and first time this season that they, they get a shutout in the second half. So I, I think those two things are definitely related. Yeah, he definitely showed his worth in the second half for sure. I think he he came in in one of the first plays uh, of the half. He was in mm-hmm. on the tackle, but I mean, the punting, the punt team, like special teams, I think has been a highlight so far this year against Rutgers. It was it wasn't good. I mean, they looked confused out there. It wasn't even that loud. I mean, there was the one series when they took like three penalties uh, before they could even punt the ball, and there was just massive confusion. And I'm like. When they're playing at places like the Horseshoe, it's going to be a heck of a lot louder than at Rutgers Stadium. You better get this stuff figured out. And then the, the clock management at the end of the half when they didn't kick a field goal and they weren't calling timeouts. I mean, was that just Mel being a rookie head coach? I, I What was that? That was mind-boggling. I mean, I mean, I know, I get what you wanted. You didn't want to give them any, any time left, obviously, because, you know, they were going to get the ball to start the second half. But... <laughs> You're playing it a little, you get a little too close down to the wire when you need them, you need them to review to put a second back on the clock for you to come out and miss, miss a field goal. So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, bad clock management there. Um, and then special teams, yeah, I mean, they have been good this year, very good for the most part, and they were pretty much a mess on Saturday. I think they had four penalties on special teams. So, you know, I, I mean, just it's, you know, it's complimentary football, guys. It's, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> They, they need to play better in that in, in that phase of the game next week. Um, we did get a question here in regards to, I mean, you mentioned the explosive plays. Kenneth Walker still the leading rusher in the nation, obviously going for over 200 and ni- getting 94 of them on one play uh, is, is very helpful in that regard. But uh, this person asked, is this the best wide receiver blocking team we've had in a long time? I see Naylor sealing the guy off on Walker's wildcat run and overtime against Nebraska. Um, we always saw Connor Hayward blocking against Miami, um, Reed on the, was way downfield on the 94 yarder. And obviously Naylor was too, cause they had time to do a little handshake on the way to the end zone, which is going to quickly become the most popular Michigan state gif on Twitter, I think. But, um, I don't know how you answer like the question, if, is this the best wide receiver blocking team? But to me, it says that, um, these guys are thinking about the team, right? They, they're all putting up numbers and putting things together, but, um, when you see receivers blocking downfield, to me, that tells tells me that they're bought in and they're playing for each other. Yeah, I mean, they've talked about this a lot. And I mean, I, I guess to answer the question, <laughs> yes, because in order to notice wide receiver blocking, you really need to be picking up significant yards. And if you've seen <laughs> that, well, not right, an issue the last couple of years. <laughs> no, you yeah. You know, when you're when you're getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage and it's one yard, it's zero yards, it's a loss. Who the hell cares what the wide receivers are doing blocking when they can't get past the line of scrimmage? So yeah, I mean, you're getting you're seeing Kenneth get downfield like the 94 yard run, um, and Jaden or yeah, Jaden Reed is out there locking up a guy. I mean, it's we've seen it countless times this year, and yeah, I mean, it's just because the run game is successful and they're getting to that second level and, and deeper, and it creates the opportunity to for them to do it and as uh, mel always says no block no rock so there you go <laughs> kyle you got any observations from the game uh yes i do um my biggest takeaway after watching the game is 
Like this is the game to me when the Kenneth Walker Heisman campaign like actually starts. Uh, I thought it was a little premature. I mean, not not take anything away from me. He did first five games. He was very solid. I thought it was a little premature, um, just partially because he's a running back and that's hard to do. But um, you know, he he you look at his numbers. He's on pace with the running backs that have run won it before. Uh, to me, if you're going to win the Heisman as a running back, you need like one of those plays, like the, the highlight reel leading play um, that, that's really going to garner attention. And to me, that's what the 94 yard run was that he needed that and he got it. Um, so we got those. And, and the other factor is there's no quarterback that is like running away from this thing, you know, like he could be. He could be having the exact same year. And if he did it in Joe Burrow's year at LSU, would be sorry. Sorry, Kenneth. Here's the Doke Walker, but you ain't winning the Heisman. Um, but, you know, you look around college football this year, um, you know, certainly a quarterback could win it. But, like, you know, is anybody really, you know, running away and, and really making a strong case? I mean, Bryce Young's been good. Alabama just lost. I, I don't think he's been, you know, as good as a lot of recent Alabama quarterbacks. Um, you know, shoot, Spencer Rattler was up on those lists all the time. He got benched <laughs> on Saturday. Um, you know, Desmond Ritter's up there. You know, are they going to give it to a group of five quarterback? You know, Matt Corral, I'm just looking at the, the odds right now. Matt Corral from Ole Miss, you know, those seem like kind of, you know, Kiffin video game numbers that are, that are keeping him up there more than anything. And I wonder if they win enough. So anyway, I think the door is open um, around college football. And I think Kenneth Walker has done what he needs to do to this point. And, um, you know, obviously it's going to come down to what he does against the big boys. But, you know, if he can have big games against uh, Michigan or Ohio State and lead them to wins, um, that, to me, that got went from kind of a pipe dream to realistic on Saturday. Man. Yeah, and you see, you see the how the program went all in following that yep. game. I mean, mm-hmm. it got talked about, but that game ends and boom, they start pumping it out on Twitter, and and you know, and, and they should, you know. I mean, this is this is such a rare opportunity where you get a player like this when you get it when you is in the conversation and legitimately that you know at some point or another you gotta you gotta choose when to back it, and they do. And there's a point I made on Saturday after the game of the press boxes. He's not running behind the 90s Dallas Cowboys offensive line here. No. I mean, the, the line is better than it has been in recent years, but, um, and that obviously is part of it. But I mean, some of these plays, the, the individual effort and talent just is so obvious. And we saw that again on Saturday on the uh, 94 yard. Yeah. Game. I mean, he, the, the line did a good job opening up, and yeah. then he made, and then he made four guys miss after that, yeah. which is all, which is all him. And Jaden Reed made a good block down the field, but yep. so much of that is him. Yep. Yeah. Look at the I mean, block I, Connor Hayward threw on that one too, right off the bat. Right. It was, you yeah. know, it was, mm-hmm. it, they they got him through the first level, and then he took over with with help from uh, from Reed on the outside there. I mean, he never gets tackled by the first guy. He one on one, he's always going to make at least one person miss. So it's pretty impressive to see. I would say it's between him and Bijan Robinson at Texas right now. I would say it's between two running yeah. backs. Um, he just drives looking good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, CJ Stroud too, I'd, I'd say. But uh, I mean, they're going to go head to head. So we'll see what yeah. happens there. Um, but I mean, I looked yesterday. I mean, ESPN does that Nissan fan vote for Heisman and Kenneth Walker at 85% of the vote. I don't know if that wow. was just Spartan fans pumping the ballot because it had just started, but. Probably. Uh, <laughs> but still, I mean, 85%. That That's nobody else had more than two. So I don't know if it had just like started and Spartans were just jumping on it. But. Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of national podcasts. People are noticing Kenneth Walker. I mean, he's a, he's a legitimate candidate right now, and uh, he should be. He's a leading rusher in the nation. He's in the top 10 in, like, every major offensive category. So, 
Uh, well, yeah, Mich- Michigan State is smart to pump this up because, you know, the way the Heisman is handed out is there's hundreds and hundreds of voters across the country. And I'm not sure how many of them are. Yeah, Matt's one of them. You're one of the good ones, Matt. I'm not sure everyone is going to really dial in as much as you. I mean, I think it's become such a quarterback award that I think a lot of people are just going to naturally think quarterback first. Um, so I, I think he's really going to kind of break through and Michigan State's really going to kind of help make his case. Uh, cause I think he does have a very good case, but I think when you're running back in this day and age, going for that award, you're, you're kind of up against it a little bit. For sure. But K9 for Heisman is a fantastic hash. Yeah. K9 in general is a fantastic. I, I'm curious what swag they're going to do. You know, a lot of times they send out like gifts or little like reminders, you know, we're going to get dog tags or collars yeah. or something Ooh, for it, you, you know? Go. You should should be in these meetings with an idea. I should. Yeah, they should have me salary. I still have my basketball has been good the last couple of years. I have a a, a Swiss Army knife, not a Swiss Army knife brand, but a multi-purpose tool from the Denzel Valentine campaign a couple of years ago. It still opens a lot of beers in my house. It's a good good talking point. Um, And I have my Cassius Winston headband um, from his year, too, which my my kids (laughs) like to wear a lot. So, uh, Matt, maybe you're covering football. probably finally pay off for you in the swag department here. I don't have anything. Um, <laughs> wait, well, I though. Saw... No, I have the uh, the Red Box Bowl. Got, oh. a free Ro- got a free Roku from the Red Box Bowl. All right. I, um, that's, I think that's it. So, well, I, I saw Nicole Auerbeck from the Athletics said they need to like toss out like plush dog toys or something with like Spartan dog. Like That'd be a good one. Or something. So, I mean, there's lots of options. You got K9 on the Spartan dogs here. So I'm sure the. Yeah. Michigan State will come up with something here, but uh, let's get back to the game. Uh, there, one one other thing we should mention: Matt Coglin sets the record for all time field goals at Michigan State. I mean, he's been there for a long time, so you know, I don't know how noteworthy that is, Matt, but it is the record. Seventy two. It is the record. He's been. I mean, he's been really. You know, other than the struggles in the nineteen season, um, if I remember that right. Uh, he's, he's been really solid, you know, he's been pretty reliable, you know, not the biggest leg for field goals, obviously. Um, but you know, consistent for the most part, and he's done, he's done really well on kickoffs this year. Um, that has been one area of improvement, um, that, you know, they've, they've, they've got out of him. So yeah, congrats to him. For sure. For sure. It's good. I know that's probably something that meant a lot to him to, to come back and get that record. Um, so Michigan state, does this mean they get to own uh, keep chopping now? Cause they win the, they win the <laughs> keep chopping bowl. Do they earn rights to that for, for the next year or so? Well, I saw Mel uh, in one of the post game videos, the, uh, the team put out, he said, nobody's going to out chop us. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's the whole thing was so dumb. I mean, if Mel, you know, Mel has been using the phrase a lot more this year, obviously, but he used it in the past. He used it in previous stops. Rutgers, okay, wow, even, you know, Greg Shannon's been using it. He didn't invent the damn thing. You know, he got it from somebody else. He got it from somebody else. He got it from somebody else. Who cares? Move on. Shano is crazy. If they start using hail in two weeks, then they'll have my attention. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw like Rutgers is uh, SB nation blog is called on the banks. So you want to talk about, you want to talk about stealing stuff here? Like, come on. All right. It doesn't matter. Um, so Michigan state gets the win Rutgers still bad. Sorry. They're not a very good team. Um, so uh, yeah, good win. Good win for Michigan state. They needed to have it and uh, they got the job done. Another road game coming up. We'll get to that in a second. But first, quickly, basketball. There was Big Ten media days uh, this week, which 
seems to come with significantly less fanfare than football media days, Kyle. Uh, I don't know what's up with that, but um, you know, it was cool to cool to talk a little hoops and see the see the guys talking hoops. The Big Ten should be loaded again this year. Michigan State picked sixth, I believe, in the preseason in the unofficial preseason poll. Um, so I'll ask you for your takeaways. But one thing I noticed was Tom Izzo, man. They he seems like he's rejuvenated this year. Um, with just I think COVID was was kind of he did his best to keep a level head for the university and the team but I think it was pretty hard on him with everyone getting COVID and him not having you know his systems and you know the the, the same situations in place that have been in place for years but I mean Michigan State put out the gif of him like strut strutting in his suit and we saw I think Matt Painter tweeted him like photobombing Purdue guys and he just seems like he's having fun again yeah, I mean, he. everyone dealt with COVID. Uh, Tom had to deal with COVID and having a not great team. So um, kind of a double whammy for him. Um, but yeah, he does seem, um, you know, he he, he certainly feels, um, you know, feels like this. he's pretty confident this team's going to be better, which, you know, it's October, everyone likes their team. But um, yeah, you mentioned their pick six. That's what Izzo kept bringing up. Nobody was asking him about the poll and he kept talking about how they're picking six, um, which goes to show, I, I think there's a little relief in um, not having the expectation. Um, you know, they, before last year, they went three straight big 10 titles. Uh, you know, they, they went through all those years where they had Cassius, they had Xavier Tillman, they had miles before that. They had Jaron Jackson every single year. It was, they were picked one or they were picked two and really expected. And, you know, a really long period of time. And, you know, Tommy always says embrace expectations. They do, but I, I do think it's a relief, especially for a group that, you know, maybe hasn't accomplished this, um, that to, to maybe be able to back off those expectations a little bit and have people talking a lot more about Purdue and Michigan. Um, so I think he kind of relished um, being able to get back to, yeah, we're kind of hunting again and not the hunted and we're a little bit flying under the radar. Um, so I, I think he enjoyed that. And, um, he seems comfortable with his team first and foremost, uh, because he seems pretty convinced that they're going to be much better point guard. Um, you know, he said that repeatedly, you know, we, we're going to have better point guard play. We're going to move the ball better. Uh, we're going to fast break better. Um, he seems pretty convinced of that. Um, and he's not naming a starting point guard. You know, he's still, um, it's still between AJ Hogard and Tyson Walker. I think we talked on last week's part of the one before, you know, based on the one open practice I saw, which caveat it's one practice, I'd be shocked if it's not Tyson Walker. I think they're kind of going through the, through the process with that. Um, Cause he seemed like a guy that really improved their offense, but um, no matter who it is, I think it, they feel like that's going to help their offense. They're going to be able to run pick and roll. And I think guys, some of these guys that struggled last year, I think are going to be better off with a, um, with a, uh, with a better point guard. I think that kind of leads you to one of the questions we had, Brandon, if you want to, um, if we want to take a look at that. That's true. That's true. We did get a basketball question. Uh, let's see. Who do you think benefits most from the presumed improved point guard play this year? Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I, I'm going to say Joey Hauser, uh, pretty, um, because to me, he benefits in two ways. Um, obviously he can shoot the three point ball, didn't shoot it 
34%, I think, last year. Not terrible, not as good as he can be. Um, so I think he benefits from that, and I think other guys will too. I think Gabe Brown should get more open shots um, and some other guys. But I also, from what I saw in that open practice, he and Tyson Walker had that pick and roll down pretty well for guys that had only been together for – you know, a couple months, um, you know, it, it, you know, it wasn't quite cash to save your Tillman, but those guys seem to really be developing a chemistry. And if, um, and if they can get that going again, you know, Joey Hauser, um, being able to get buckets off of that, maybe being able to step back out, get a pick and pop going a little bit, uh, to me, um, he's the guy that can benefit both, you know, he can f- be on the fast break and have somebody find him for open shots and he can maybe run a pick and roll a little bit. So that, that's why I'd say Joey Hauser and, um, you know, time as we'll talk about him a lot too. Uh, the notable quote would be, he said, I don't think anybody in any Michigan state fans have seen the real Joey Hauser yet. Um, and, um, for whatever reason, last year was not his year. Um, I think he's got to get better defensively, um, before he can really play a big role. But, um, if we're talking about guys who can be significantly better compared to last year, I would put him at the top of the list. Yeah, it turns out having good point guard play helps get shooters better looks. Uh, shocking development there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Hauser at Marquette was amazing. Like he was yeah. a standout guy. Like when you watch their games, I mean, he was one of the best players on the floor consistently throughout the season. And it's just, it was, it was puzzling last year uh, that he wasn't really able to get going, but you know, the big 10 is different than the big East, different competition. And um, you know, like I said, a lot of, well, we talked about it at length last year, the, the struggles that Michigan state had just getting into sets at times. I mean, there was times the offense was literally just Aaron Henry get to the basket. So yeah. um, I mean, uh, you would think that would be improved this year with, with true pass first point guards on the team. Um, let's see. Gabe Brown and Malik Hall were there. Did did they tell you anything interesting? I saw in an interview with with the sleepers. They asked. They were both asked who the best player was, and they both said each other, which I thought was nice. Uh, a little little pat each other on the back there. But uh, anything else notable from from Big Ten media? Because everyone's talking about the newcomers, right? Rightfully so, the freshman and Tyson Walker. But if Michigan State is going to really elevate this year, they're going to need Gabe Brown, Malik Hall, Joey Hauser to really take the next step. Yeah. Um, and, and my kind of question is like, who's taking the last shot for them right now? You know, like, like if they're in a tie game with 30 seconds left against, um, against Kansas in the opener, like obviously last year, you're drawing that up for Aaron Henry, uh, you know, many years before that you're drawing it up for Cassius Winston, um, Wait in the corner. Yeah. Um, now, like, I, I think you could make a lot of different arguments as to who, who gets that shot um, right now. I mean, maybe you start with Gabe Brown, but, um, you know, and maybe it's who's having the hot game. But, I, you know, I, it's a team right now that, you know, there's a lot of different player of the year candidates. None of them play for Michigan State. Um, and I think they have a lot of pretty good players. Um, but no real standouts. And I think they, I, I think time is would like somebody to kind of rise above and kind of become a dude. Um, not that that has to take away from anybody else, but um, we certainly saw Aaron Henry do it last year. Um, I, I think it could be a Gabe Brown. I think it could be Joey Hauser. I think it could be Tyson Walker. I think it would be Max Christie as a freshman, to be totally honest. I mean, Tommy Joe compared him to Gary Harris, uh, and he doesn't throw that sort of stuff out there without thinking about it. So um, that that's what I'm wondering is who kind of takes the range and becomes a dude uh, for them this year. 
All right. Anything else or should we get to Indiana? I know we're on a hard uh, time time out here. I think that's all the hoops I got. Okay, cool. Yeah, obviously we'll have more hoops uh, coming down the pipe as the season gets started, but uh, and plenty of time to talk about hoops. But uh, it is football season right now, and Michigan State moves on to the schedule. Uh, they've got another road game this week at Indiana. Indiana's coached by Tom Allen. He's in his sixth season. He's done a great job there. He's at 26 and 25 all time. Indiana's two and three, has losses to good teams, Iowa, Cincinnati, and Penn State. A blowout win versus Idaho and a two-point victory against Western Kentucky. So that's interesting that we have a common opponent there uh, with Indiana and Michigan State. Michigan State leads the all-time series 48-17 and two ties in there. Gross. Glad we don't do that anymore. Uh, Indiana won 24-0 in East Lansing last year. It was part of a you know great season for them uh, and led to the high expectations this year. Michigan State's a four-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under is 51 and a half. Um, so Matt, Indiana was what top 20 coming into the season. They are not ranked anymore. They're two and three. Uh, the offense has completely gone out the window. What the heck happened to Indiana? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> came back to reality. Um, I was high on them coming into the season. I think I had them second in the East behind Ohio state. Um, starts with panics, I guess, you know, because he's, he was the guy. Um, I think I had him, I think I had him winning the, uh, uh, as the uh, offensive player of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he struggled. You look at the numbers, uh, he's only completed 53.7% of his passes, 939 yards, four touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's hurt again. Which I feel bad for him. He, he seems like a good dude. Obviously, a lot of talent there, and he just can't stay healthy. So, uh, another uh, a shoulder injury. Um, he is not out for the season. Uh, Tom Allen has said that, you know, it is a week to week thing. He did his presser yesterday and said, you know, he's getting treatment. We'll see. He will not update his status until Saturday. So questionable coming into the game. That's obviously huge. If it's not him, it's Jack Tuttle. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I can't, can't tell you if Seth or paid attention watching Indiana every single week, but um, the offense has really gone out the window for the most part. I just repeated what you said. I think uh, 107th in the nation in total offense, 100th in, uh, in rushing. Indiana was never going to really run the ball anyways. Um, 99th in scoring. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. This is, uh, you know, they regressed, obviously, um, from last season. And uh, I guess that's Michigan's opportunity to take advantage of it. A game that when you, when you looked at it coming into the year, this would be the game that you'd be like, eh. Probably not going to go there on the road and get a win like Miami. And again, it's a team that uh, is not as good as you thought coming into the year. Yeah, I'm still nervous about this one, though. You know, you've got obviously the big concern is Michigan in two weeks. Uh, you're concerned about overlooking an opponent, you know, looking ahead to the, the preparation week. You know, Mel Tucker seems to have these guys pretty focused week to week on the opponent and the task at hand. So maybe we shouldn't be concerned with that. But whenever you have a sort of trap game, so to speak, as they like to say, before a massive potentially undefeated showdown against your arch rival at home, uh, there's going to be a little bit worry about looking ahead, uh, especially with the way Indiana has performed so far. I don't really know uh, what to say so much. So we don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback and we probably won't know. Correct. No, we won't know until Saturday um, at some point in time. But, you know, as as Michigan State players and coaches will tell you, just like players and coaches at every program, at every level, it's not about them. It's about us. So, um, no, I mean, Mel, Mel has done a really good job of keeping this team focused. I mean, the results show it. Um, yesterday he said, you know, 
Yeah, they had their team meeting, um, and they put up a graphic showing where they're ranked in the country. Put up the thing with the stuff promoting Kenneth Walker for for the Heisman, and just like, all right, guys, this is happening. You know, this is what this is what was going on right now. So there's no reason to to not to address it. So yeah, that's the approach, and yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's working for them. So um, they deserve to be the favorite coming into this game, and if they can move to uh, to four zero on the road. Ouch! Look out for October thirtieth. It's going to be interesting. Oh if man, they can, want... if, if they can get this done, right? And Michigan still has to beat Northwestern next week too. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I would, I would bet on that. We, we've we've <laughs> yeah. seen Northwestern this year. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't think that's a, that'll be an issue for them. Uh, I mean, Indiana struggled on offense, I guess, but I mean, usually they're a team that can at least move the ball up and down the field. I mean, it, you would think more bend don't break sort of style defense. You would think Indiana would want to get Michigan state moving side to side. Rutgers seemed to have some success with the, the misdirections and the, uh, you know, the fakes and all the different stuff. And in the first half, especially Michigan state wasn't helping with the missed tackles, but they were getting some open running lanes and passing lanes. So um, you would think that Indiana would at least be able to move the ball. But then again, I guess the numbers don't bear that out. And they have had just no explosive plays at all. They've had like one or two plays of more than 30 yards. They're like what Michigan state used to be. Yeah, Tom Allen got asked about that yesterday in his press conference yesterday. And basically, well, what are you guys going to do to be more creative was the tone of a couple of questions or, you know, something to that effect. Yeah, I mean, it's it stands out. It's notable. Um, you know, they had all these guys come back, all these weapons. Um, you know, there was a reason people were, were you know, back in Indiana coming the season just hasn't come together. Uh, but they're coming off a bye. Tom Allen said he thought it came at a good time for them, um, which – much every coach to tell you the bye came at a good time other than unless you're Michigan State from a couple years back and your bye was yeah. like after week one or something stupid yeah. like that it was ridiculous um, yeah so I don't know I, I like Tam Allen as a coach um so we'll see if he can get this team to uh circle the wagons or rally the troops or whatever uh, cliche you I, want to drop I, I thought I thought Mel was kind of interesting because he was talking about opponents coming off buys, and he said it, it gives you more time to be a copycat, right? Like, like they got more yeah. time to look at Michigan State tape and say, okay, this worked against them. Mm-hmm. How can we emulate it? I don't know. I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting yeah. answer from him. Yeah, man. Yeah, he basically said they're going to, he fully expects them to look at what worked against them and see if Nebraska. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, <laughs> they've had the time. We'll see. And in terms of other names to know, Stephen Carr is their leading running back. He's a transfer from USC, I believe. Uh, 102 attempts, 386 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 3.8 yards per carry. Tim Baldwin Jr. Uh, is another guy who gets carries. Peyton Hendershot, the tight end, uh, is their leading receiver at 21 receptions for 274 yards and a touchdown. Ty Freifogel is a name people will probably remember from the past. Uh, 26 receptions, 272 yards and a touchdown. So even he, who we've seen make some big plays uh, even against Michigan State for that matter, uh, even he can't really get things going this year in this offense. It's just really puzzling. I mean, Indiana really is one of the most disappointing teams in the country this year. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I, don't, I mean, they completely dominated the game last year. Um, I think it was – I'm trying to remember if it was right, but I think Mel said 17 of their 24 points rough turnovers. I'm not sure I have to go back and double-check that. But, you know, that was another game where – if I remember right, that was a Rocky getting benched for 
for um, Peyton game. Um, and, you know, they just got – they couldn't get anything done on offense. And, you know, FedEx was uh, was pretty good, minus getting picked off. I think he got picked off twice by uh, – uh, oh, I forget his name in the NFL now. Uh, somebody help me out here. When undrafted. Uh-huh. So, oh, Shakur Shakur Brown. Shakur Brown. Thank yeah. you. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to me, like Michigan State fans look at Indiana and what's happened to them this season and be appreciative of Mark D'Antonio, if that makes sense. Because to me, it's so hard if you're not Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State to like break through and be a top 20 team and stay there, you know, and like Indiana gets there for like a minute and then they go back to being Indiana, you know, and it's to me, it's so hard to like sustain it and get to that level and stay there. And like D'Antonio, yeah, he regressed at the end, but like he did as good a job at anybody to me in the big 10 East of like actually breaking through with the big boys and staying there for a period of time. So that's my big picture takeaway. Well, and even the down years were six and seven, seven and six outside of, you know, 16, which we just talked about, which ironically is the last time they were ranked in the top 10. Uh, yeah. That was after they beat Notre Dame, who ended up being overrated and they finished three and nine. But we don't want to go down that road. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, turnovers could play a factor. Indiana's at plus six in turnover margin. Michigan State's at minus seven. So, um, yeah. Wait, wait, minus... flip that. Flip that. Yeah, right. I was going to say. Yeah, flip, I was gonna that. Say. <laughs> flip that. What did I just say? I said flip that. Uh, Michigan State is at plus six. Indiana's minus seven, right? That, that's right. Okay. Uh, sorry, I got that twisted. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, turnover. Michigan State's done a great job taking care of the ball this year. I mean, that's been another thing. I mean, we looked at Rutgers last year, seven turnovers in the game. Uh, this year, you know, they had the one, but uh, also Jacob Slade running really, really was hilarious. Um, but <laughs> Pies and trophy, baby. Yeah. yeah. But Michigan State has done a great job in the turnover game. I mean, it's yeah. in Miami, it was a huge factor. It all, you know, that starts with Thorne, obviously. Um, you know, we knew the numbers in recent years. I wrote it a number of times. I should have it memorized. I think it was 41 interceptions combined over 33 games the previous three seasons for Michigan State quarterbacks. And, you know, Thorne has only thrown two this year. Um, second one was, was Saturday against Rutgers. That was just a great individual play. I mean, everybody saw it. It was maybe it probably should have at least been reviewed to see if that was actually an interception, but whatever. Um, either way, he's he's been really good. He's taking care of the ball, which is which is the number one thing they really needed out of their quarterbacks this year. And, you know, and in addition to that, he's making huge plays. So he's done really well. And then you know the what, they have two fumbles in in garbage time. So there's your turnovers right there. That's coming in the you know Mel will tell you you know he said it last week. We you know we got three turnovers. We shouldn't have anyway. You know we should be turning the ball over at all. Yeah, but. You know, it, privately, if you told them coming into the year, four turnovers through six games, I think they would definitely have taken that as a staff. For sure. We got to get out of here. Let's get a quick prediction. I'm going, I think it's going to be close. I think Indiana is going to come to play. This is a, a game where they're, I mean, they're, they're playing for just to make a bowl game at this point in their season. So uh, I think that they're going to come out ready for this one. Uh, but I still think Michigan State gets it done 31-24. Uh, I'll go 27-20 Michigan State wins. I'm going to be the optimist for once for Michigan State. I don't think I don't think Indiana is the offense. I'll go 24-10 Michigan State. Awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, we all three see Michigan State heading to 7-0 and before an off week. And then uh, 
the big showdown with the boys from Ann Arbor, uh, which could be a heck of a scene at Spartan Stadium if they do, in fact, come in undefeated. Uh, Matt will be down in Bloomington covering the game, I assume. Uh, me and Kyle will be uh, making observations from home. Um, but we appreciate everyone for listening uh, to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Again, if you could please give us a quick review or a rating, uh, let us know how we can improve. Um, hit us up with your emails. Check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans, and we appreciate your questions. Um, so enjoy the game this week. Hopefully it's a positive result for the Spartans. Um, but for Kyle Austin and Matt Wendell, I'm Brandon Champion. Until next time, once again, thank you for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. And go Green!